Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. All right, so um, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that I partner with you today. Lord, that your word into people's hearts is revealed to them. And through this revelation, Lord, you show them those things that your your their assignments and the and the places that you're asking them to go and to do, and that Lord, I am I am reaffirming Philipp, Philippians four thirteen that we can do anything in your strength. Lord, we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. So about a year ago, this time. You know, if you, if you rewind the clocks, a lot of us were sitting at home, um, working. My work, I was in the Navy for 26 years. I did, obviously, Department of Defense, does security. Um, I got out of the Navy, and I started doing the same type of work as a contractor. So one of the things that you do is you look at threats, and you just look at what's going on. And so in that environment, I'm looking at everything, and God began to just peel back stuff. And he started to show me that the way that I would normally have looked at threats and different things to our nation was, was different. And it was a little disorienting because I wasn't accustomed to viewing the world in that way. I was accustomed to viewing the world in terms of what I would say is the physical threats. Like I can physically see this. We have a physical solution. There's a physical thing going on in national security, and it, it's all rational, right? So that is, the, that is a little bit of the prelude, but I want to start since it's 4th of July to get to this unpacking of this revelation that I've been working on. I'm not saying that I've been 12 hours a day, but in my, in my time when I'm studying the Word, these are the things that, that I've been studying and understanding greater. So I'm going to ask the team for the first um, excerpt, and this is from the Declaration of Independence. It is what the United States, this is when we said... Um, we declared that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. So there's obviously a lot in the Declaration of Independence. We hear a lot about the preamble. This is right at the end, and it clearly states the intentions of the colonies to the state of Great Britain. So you got to think, what in the world? That's a humongous thing, right? People live oppressed forever. Um, CCP's having their 100-year anniversary. I know that we had been perhaps living oppressed longer than that. But you think, what is the thing that makes people shift from being in a situation? If you read the Declaration of Independence, there's a multiple list of things that they were, felt like they were being oppressed under. What makes people just say, no more? Ain't happening anymore. right? And if you listen to prophets, prophets use a term called shift. They'll, they'll say there's going to be a shift, or there's a shift, or there's a shift, and they'll talk about this moment where there's a decisive moment where there's one state, and then there's going to be another state. There's going to be a move from we're going to live under oppression to it's not, we're not going to take it anymore, and we're going to declare something different. And prophets will sometimes, almost always when I listen to them, they'll call it a shift, and I would say that this marks a major shift in the world, right? This is a major shift 
in all of the world. That doesn't happen unless God is doing something. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's a, that's a shift. That's a prophetic shift. This is a prophetic document that something's happening in people. God is doing something in the world, and he's making a statement. Right? It took hundreds of years for all of this to uncover, but it was a, it was a prophetic thing. If you look at our history, though, if you look at our history, there was a gentleman, and I'm like, this isn't a history lesson, but this gets to it. You guys ever heard of a guy named Thomas Paine? You guys know Thomas Paine. Okay, so he was a little-known journalist, made friends with Benjamin Franklin, he gets to the United States. He gets to the United States, he writes this book called Common Sense. It comes out in January of 1776. What's that? Okay, so in this book, he convinces people that they don't need to live under the tyranny of Great Britain. Most people say, yes, absolutely, 100% agree. This book, this pamphlet, is credited for the shift. So if you look in your history books, if you look anywhere, the, Thomas Paine gets credit for taking people from the mindset and changing their identity from a colony to Americans. Like, this is a major shift. It doesn't happen by a person, right? I can't, a person can't do that. So I want to I tell you that Thomas Paine gets credit for that if you, if you read. But Thomas Paine... He, he wasn't well-known before this. Nobody really knew who he was. He writes this book, massive, goes everywhere, massive credibility. A few years later, he writes a second book. Is anybody familiar with the second book that he wrote? The second book he wrote was called The Age of Reason. And in that book, he rips down all of Christianity. He rips down all of Jesus. He rips down all the church. He literally dis- disassociates everything of God. He takes all glory from God and puts it into us. And this thing today is called humanism. It comes a bit out of the Enlightenment period, but he now puts this book out. This book, because of his success with common sense and his credit that he got there, writes this book. And the book, it sells like you wouldn't believe. So I'm going to put this in context. Last year, the number one selling book in America was Barack Obama's um, Promised Land. Promised Land. Number one book in America. It sold 2.5 million, 2.57 million copies. All right, so in the population of America, roughly speaking, that's less than 1%. It's like 0.808%. It still was the best-selling book at that. In our population, it was Barack Obama's book. Thomas Paine's book reached 6% of the population, the entire population of, the, of, of America. It reached 6% of the population. That was before the internet, that was before social media, that was before, this was colonies, 
6% is how this got out. 6% of, of our colonies read this book. And it was, a, it was the, 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 the um, laying the foundation of what I'm going to explain to you is, is our real threat to our nation. So he, this book goes out, and let me just pull, can we pull that up? Is there a next slide, another excerpt? Okay, so there is a, uh, and I just want to make sure that, I'm, that you understand I'm making the connection between Thomas Paine and this theory that we are gods, humanism, that we are gods. And the, from the, um, I pulled this off the website of the American Humanist Association, and this is the definition of humanism with Thomas Paine's name in it. It says, there's no evidence of supernatural power ever needed or wanted anything from people, ever communicated with them, ever interfered with their laws of nature to assist or harm anyone, dot, 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 two of humanism's greatest luminaries, Thomas Paine and Robert Ingersoll. All right, so this is embedded in our, in, in our, in our, in our foundation, right? You can, you can, at the time. So this book comes out, and um, there's this gentleman. This gentleman is a, uh, let me say, Thomas Paine didn't really have, he didn't really do anything. He was a journalist before that. He didn't really have any, any fame. But there was another gentleman. His name was Elias Bodino. Have you guys ever heard of Elias Bodino? Elias Bodino. That says it all right there. Have you heard of him? You've heard of him? Okay, so this, this, per, this person was a delegate from New Jersey for two terms, um, in the 1790s, he would have been witness to the Declaration of Independence. He would have been there for all of this. He later, once his terms were over, he started the American Bible Association, and it was aimed to, to abolish slavery. Um, and he also happened to found Princeton University. Right? This guy is a pretty amazing guy. He loves Jesus, right? But he's not a theologian. And he sees this book comes out. And he, the only reason he read it was because Thomas Paine wrote it, right? Thomas Paine wrote it. I got to read it because he wrote it, because he wrote it, right? And he agreed, obviously, with the Declaration of Independence. He agreed with common sense. So Elias sits back for several years, and he's waiting. He's waiting, and he's waiting for somebody to refute the age of reason, this book. He's waiting for years. He's not a theologian. He's not a pastor. He's not head of any church. He's a politician. He's a lawyer. He's, he's starting a Bible society, right? He's doing all this work, and he's like, somebody has got to say something about the age of reason. That was a ridiculous book. It literally strips all of God out of everything. But nobody wrote anything. Nobody Nobody did anything. And eventually, as he gets older, he gets concerned for his children. He has a daughter. And so he says, I am going to take that, that book, the seed, and I am going to um, teach my, my daughter how bad that is and how, how wrong it is. So he, he starts writing this. And he explains in the preface, I have the book right here, I have the book, the book right here. So he explains in the preface some of the background context of all of this that's going on. So he reads the book because Thomas Paine wrote it, 
And then he starts to understand. He's a smart guy. He starts to see how the book is marketed. He sees the price point of the book. He sees where the book is being sold. He sees all this going on, and he realizes that this book isn't made for people like him because he knows the truth. The book is written for children. He marketed the book to kids my age. Price point, cent and a half, sold it on auction to, to people who just haven't had time to understand the truth, haven't, haven't gone through all that stuff. And he's even more alarmed at this point. He starts seeing this, and he, he's even more and more alarmed. So his book grows from what was going to be a, maybe an essay to his daughter to a book where he, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to explain how bad that theory is that we are gods, that we are our own God, that we control everything and that there is no hell, there is no heaven, there's none of this stuff, right? This is, this is um, from the preface. He said, I was soon convinced that a principle of the Illuminati in Europe had been adopted by some unknown persons in this country vis-a-vis that of fixing on the rising generation and the lower orders of people as the chief objects of an attack for spreading the principles of infidelity, finding from long experience that the arts of deception must ever fail where sound learning and pure science prevail. So he realizes that this is a direct, under-the-radar attack at people who just don't have yet the understanding. So I'm going to go, can you show the next, the next thing? All right, so this is where he goes. He goes to the book of Jude. I had never seen the book of Jude in this way before until I started digging into this. So the book of Jude is Jesus, and in the beginning of Jude, in the background of Jude, is Jude wants to talk about, Jude wants to get out a letter talking about his brother, Jesus, his half-brother Jesus. But instead, he has to write this book to describe this, this secret, deceptive thing coming into the, coming into the church. So this is the excerpt, this is an excerpt from the Age of Revelation, the the rebuttal of the Age of Reason. It says, knowing the importance of your being able to give a a ready answer for the hope that is in you, that he's writing this to his daughter, and seeing the melancholy prevalence of a spirit of infidelity founded on a, infidelity back then it's a term for sin, um, founded on a pretended philosophy and a vain deceit, he's quoting Jude, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So Elias has a firm revelation, the foundation in Christ. He sees this book coming out, firmly deconstructing everything of God, taking all the glory, giving it to a person, and he's extremely alarmed. Let me pause here. So Jude... I'm going to go to the verse in Jude that he used. 
I'm going to read it again. It says, I'm reading in one Jude, well, actually Jude is just one, so it's Jude 4 and 5. And I apologize for all this reading. I'm trying to lay a foundation here. But for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you, they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. So Jude gets this book from Enoch. Enoch is the seventh from Adam. So this is an ancient lie. This is Antichrist. Right? So this is Antichrist from Enoch. Jude, this gentleman, recognizes it in Age of Reason. He sees it happening in the colonies, and he, and he brings it out. So today, this is shocking. Today, to get this book took me a while. I had to go to a specific website called American Vision. And, actual, and the only reason I found this, the Spirit showed me this book. I forget the trace, but I had to dig and dig and dig. I was re- reading about I was learning about false idols in, in terms of this because there is, I had a dream about false idols related to what Jesus is doing. So I dug into it and I found this book. I found the, I found the name of this guy. So then I went to Amazon. I went all over the place. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? I went to history.com. Nowhere. This guy is not anywhere. I had to find him on AmericanVision.com. Some of you may have been familiar with AmericanVision.com. Found the book. It's 30 bucks, only on hardback. Now, if you want to read Age of Reason, you can literally download it like crazy everywhere. You can get it tomorrow, Amazon Prime. I can probably get it delivered by the time you leave today, right? It comes in two parts. History.com, the History Channel, has broken it into several easy-to-read pieces. Publish it on their website. You can download it. And they even say in there, hey, we've made this really easy for you to read. You can download it in bits and pieces. They broke it up in chunks. But if you want to read this, it's going to be $30. You're going to have to go to a specific. I think I lost. Okay. But I did check it yesterday. I did see this on Amazon. But it's still uh, not free and not marketed. As, you, as it would the age of reason. So why am I saying all this? The reason I'm saying all this is that I love America, right? I love this country. But this country has a lot of idols in it. The country has a lot of idols in it. I, myself, trust in these idols too much. I, myself, know that I hear about them and see them, and, and it's, built, it's built into the way I live. It's built into the way I think. It's built into a lot of things because it was secretly put there, and it's, and it's, and it's in there, right? But I want us to be discerning, and I want us to know, and I want us to understand so that we know what being in Christ means, and we know what being influenced by Antichrist means, right? I want us to know that. And when I was sitting in my desk a year ago, in my little world that I work in, that was what God started to, to take away. He started to reveal it. He started to show me things in the world that I work in where literally Antichrist thinking is involved and embedded in there. 
And it's hard to, it's hard to accept that. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to sit there and go, you got to be kidding me. I'm not antichrist. I don't like antichrist. But this thinking, like Jude wrote about, secretly slipped it in among you. Okay? So what is this? I, know I, can, I can speak to what my, in, in the little world that I live in and work in, what that is. Um, let's get into it. You got the next, the next one. Okay, here's one. And I'm going to get really practical here for just a couple. We're not going to have big messages on this, but I just want to open your eyes up a little bit. I just want to, like, throw some seeds out there, and you guys can take it and run with it. You can research it, and, and hopefully, as I'm partnering now with, with Holy Spirit, that some of these things are kind of shown to you a little bit. Okay, so Matthew 6.24. So I, I have a family. I need to support them, right? And so I think, well, I've got to support them. I need some money to do that. I need money. Well, we are really good at, as humans, as getting this thing in that we make money, we, you know, we do work. Because of all of our work, we can support our family, and we really turn it. I was a man, I know I do that to myself, right? You make decisions on that. You make decisions. I am going to do this. I'm going to make money. What happens is you put money up high, and then the decisions you make are all about making money because it's a good cause. I'm a, I'm a father. I have to make money, right? But the problem is, is if you read definitions of humanism, it's very ethical. It sounds very good. It's very noble. You can't argue with it because they take love and their responsibility, and they turn it into a god. Do you see what I'm saying? They take, hey, you love, I love. You know, we got to love, you know? And they make it sound really good. It's subtle, but it's really clear here. You cannot serve God in money. So you can't put money number one. You can't make all your decisions. Number one, God, you know, I got you gave me this family. The answer is to, is to serve God. It's to serve God. I don't know, maybe God doesn't change anything you're doing. But it's serving God. It's serving God. Let's go to the next one. Security. So this is where this is the work, this is the place I work in. About four or five years ago, before any of this revelation happened, I was at Camp Silver Beach. We go to Camp Silver Beach with the kids every year. And God had me re, re, He had me memorize Psalm 33 like I was in vacation Bible school, right? You guys ever read Psalm 33? It is a huge psalm, and I never really knew what Psalm 33 was about. But I sat there, and that, Derek, Derek, do you remember? Do you don't remember that? You just want to back me up. You can just maybe false a little bit. Do you remember? <laughs> but Derek was too young to be in camp, so he, so he was with me, and I would memorize and memorize. And I was memorizing Psalm 33. And now, as I'm in the work that I'm in now, it is just like, pops up all the time but a king is not saved by his great army a warrior is not delivered by his great strength so north korea china russia oh my gosh bioterrorism pandemics right crazy the world's ending did you know that the climate's warming you know crazy crazy right you can go on and on and on you know what our nation does 
It spends everything on those threats. When I say everything, I'm telling you everything. Everything. We take all our money to protect, to, pro to protect ourselves from the physical enemy and forget the real enemy. Forget about it. We spend multi-trillions of dollars to fight all these threats popping up everywhere, but we won't let God in. Can you, you think about how absurd that is? Let me, just, let me just say, let me just say how absurd this is. You go, okay, so the humanists say there's no heaven and there's no hell. Nothing to worry about here. You know, there's only bad, you know, there's these people, but you do good, we'll figure it out. Um, but the problem is the climate's dying, so that's kind of an issue, right? So there's all these contradictions. But you take all of that out, and then you say, God, hold my beer, right? I got this. <laughs> yeah? I got this. Don't need it. So you, we spend trillions of dollars. We build tanks. We build jets. We build, we build all these things. And the enemy's like, great. Um, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift to cyber. And then, just, that's, then you're like, whoa, what the flip happened? No. Oh, my gosh. You're just running, chasing your tail, spending all your money, fighting in the physical like crazy. And all the time, in our arrogance, we say, I don't need God. I don't need that. Probably doesn't even exist. And if he did exist, he left a long time ago. It's, 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 can you imagine what heaven's thinking about that? Can you imagine saying, like, what the flip? Are you serious? Do you know what this enemy's trying to do? And you're just trying to, like, do it all on your own. You ever get that feeling I'm doing this all on my own? It's overwhelming. I can't. No kidding. No kidding. Maybe we'll spend more money. Let's spend some more money on it. All right. Next one. When I'm in a bind. So I'll tell a quick story. Th this, one, this one I mean to say is that when you're seeking the favor of man, and you believe you have to teach the Bible, I'm trying to, I'll just tell a quick story is that when you're in a bind, you're looking for something, a favor. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe you're seeking justice and you go, you go to like the Brent and you go to the mafia or something. I'm just joking. You're on the mafia. But you, you start digging around for favors, right? You call people. You look in your network. Call this guy. Figure it out. I remember one time I was in a bind with, um, and I needed a favor. I thought I needed a favor. I prayed, but I was digging and doing all this work to try and, and get the favor of man. I had to go to this meeting, and I needed the favor. And, I, and instead of getting the favor of God, I was trying to get the favor of man. So I get to this meeting, and I have all my friends lined up, and I got my speech, everything lined up. And God would not let me take the glory. I, I'm in there, suit on, tie. My turn to talk, I turn to tears. Physical, actual crying tears. Holy Spirit wouldn't let me talk. I can't even take credit. I mean, God would not let man take the credit for it. He's like, listen, I know you're not trying to do this, but I'm not letting you. My turn to talk, physically, I'm actually, tears are coming out of my eyes. I can't cry. I can't, what are these people thinking? You know? <laughs> What's that? 
with me. My son David had my wife with me, um, a very senior person in the Virginia Beach school system. God took the credit. God wasn't. God had it. He wouldn't. He wasn't letting me. Look what I did. You know, all my friends. The point is that when we need something, we serve Christ. When we serve Christ, we are acceptable. We have favor. We walk in favor and power when we serve Christ. This is the last one, and we'll um, go. When I'm sick, this verse, I will not cry as I'm talking about this. But I had cancer, right? I was diagnosed with cancer. I had a I went and sat in the, in the room. The doctor laid out this huge change of life. He explained to me how I was going to be in treatment the rest of my life and just on and on, uncurable. Just, I'm just sitting in this room. And you ever imagine being in a room here and all that stuff? It's almost like you're, you're it's in a dimension. You're like, oh, what is going on? I don't understand this. But Clayton literally, like the, you know the guy that lowers the, his friends through the roof? Clayton came to my house. He read this verse, and he prayed for me. He took me upstairs with a room full of pastors, read this verse, anointed me with oil, and prayed for me. He even took me to pastors that were coming through town and got me front row seats. (laughs) And I got healed. I was healed. You know? In fact, in the process of that, the doctor had their board, right? And look, I'm a professional. I respect my wife's a nurse. I respect people that have a profession, but I'm not God, right? And I know physicians don't think they're God. You know, they have tools. They have things they can do, but there's limited because we're not God. We're, that's not what we believe. So he showed me what, what he could do, what he saw in the physical and then God showed me a same size whiteboard vision, but it was in his perspective. And his perspective was healing, restoration, all kinds of amazing promises in there that doctors simply can't promise you. Right? It'd be irresponsible. It's crazy. The doctor can't say that. I wouldn't expect a doctor to say that. I know you, I just got you cancer, but I'm, he, he doesn't have the power for that. And seven years in the same room, seven years later, because I go to my appointments, I do what they say to do. I'm in their appointment, and the doctor's like, you know what? I think you can consider yourself healed. And I just sat there. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like, yeah. I was just like, yeah, thanks, finally, you know. But that's the, when I need healed, when I need health, I go to God. I go to God. Oh, it's a, the next one is, I think the last one, you need to check the turnip. So this is Matthew 4.10. Matthew 4.10 is Jesus saying to Satan, Antichrist, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So when you're, I know God gave me an assignment, right? The, The assignment, part of the assignment is to understand this is to understand those areas where I'm not worshiping God and don't even know it. A little secret, a little slip in, a little idea that I believed, a little something that was a little off. But I'm, 
Part of my assignment is to be able to understand that. And I have, I have another assignment that I'm working out with, with him. So what I want to go into a little bit of ministry is, I feel like when Emily laid the carpet out, if God is stirring something in you, right? If, if, if you, if in the course of this discussion, if you're seeing stuff, like haze being lifted or maybe new things, and realizing that there is a very secret enemy slipping in and you want to deal with that or you feel like the Lord is, is, is sharing something with you in the world that you work in, because certainly in the world I work in, it's, it's front and center assignment. It's assignment. I want to pray for you. So if that's you, I would just ask you to ask you to stand up and just ask you to acknowledge it or ask questions about it. And we're just going to pray for you. All right. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that There's more. There's more. Listen. He waited years. This guy, Elias Boudinot, he sat back and he felt like, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. He said, you know, I'm starting university. I'm American Bible College. I'm, I'm doing all these things. And he, and he surveyed the environment for years, waiting for somebody to stand up and face off directly with this secret little thread that was going in there. He waited and he waited. And finally, when he did discover it, he found something alarming and that it was an attack on not only a legacy of America, but he, he had, a, he had a, a daughter. And when he realized that, it, it shocked him. So, when you're, when, you're, when you're hearing from the Lord, investigate it. Keep pressing. If he's, if, he's, if he's sharing something with you and you're saying to yourself, I'm already doing this, I'm already doing that, I'm, I've, I'm involved here, I'm, I'm busy with this, I got this going on, it's uncomfortable, I don't know anything about this, I'm not an author, I'm not a writer, I don't, I've never done this, it's not my lane, I want you to just investigate it. I want you to listen to the listen to Holy Spirit. And I, and I want you, I'm praying, I'm going to pray with you to investigate it. So, Lord, Lord, we love you. We worship you.
we know that we are not fighting a physical enemy, but that we're fighting a spiritual enemy. And the spiritual enemy, his whole goal and intent is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Lord, I pray that you give us eyes and ears and understanding and hearts and hands to, to, to understand it and to see it and to pick it out. And Lord, I pray that you give us obedient hearts that we follow your direction. And Lord, whether it's if you're asking us to do something that has nothing to do with my talent, has nothing to do with my network, has nothing to do with the money I have, realize that all of that comes after we worship you. And that, Lord, we want to step out and put you first. Lord, love you first. Worship you first. And let all those things that we need, let you provide them. Because as myself, I can't provide for the things that I know that you're asking me to do. It's impossible. But that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. Lord, is that I can't do it. But in your strength, I can. In your provision, I can. So Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, to bless us today. Lord, to let your grace fall on us. Lord, let your love fall on us. Lord, just... This country is not over. Lord, you have more for this country. You are prophesying revival in this country. You are prophesying a new day in this country. And Lord, we know that you're going to come through people. That there's going to be a shift in this country in the hearts of people. And that you are not going to let a man steal your glory is, Lord, you are not going to let people, anyone else, take the glory from you. So I pray that we receive that revelation. Lord, I pray that we step out in your strength. And, Lord, I pray that we worship you and worship you alone. And, Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I actually really love that he's talking about um, the uh, age of reason um, and the timing of that from 17, um, the 76 Declaration of Independence and um, the timing of the two books um, from Thomas Paine. Um, but the age of reason is nothing new. Um, it's humanism, and humanism has come from way before then. It was just a new form. Humanism now is raising its head again in a really ugly new forms and um, the age of reason we can understand it's different uh, now there's I'll use the term new, new age all right under the umbrella because new age has very big wide umbrella under new age comes every other um, traditional religion um, that you might yeah I could say Islam I could say different types of religions like that Buddhism Hinduism but also under new age then is higher consciousness find out what your chakras are Oh, meditation is awesome. Just empty your thoughts. Understand your energy fields. And it's all under new age. 
And it is the thing that's against the church right now in the world, but especially in America. And his, his, paganism's included in it. They're okay and open to um, occultism and Satanism, and they'll sit right next to a mixture of Christianity and Islam, and they call it Chrislam, and they're okay with it all. They're just not okay with the person who declares that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and that's exclusive, right? Jesus himself said, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and that's exclusivity, right? It's inclusive because every single person is invited to it, every person, but it's exclusive because when you do give your life to him, it is him alone. There's no mixture. He mentioned idols. There's no idols. No mixture means I'm not going to mix it with meditation. I'm not going to mix my Christianity and allow Holy Spirit. I want to live full of Holy Spirit, but then also chase down um, trusting in uh, crystals and beads and using um, satanic paganist, you know, paganism type implements and in mixing that with pure worship. In fact, in the Old Testament, people died for that. And so God is as serious today as he was then. We don't die, but he does take his presence away from us, right? And so that's the thing is be praying about that. The, it is the thing. You can see it through TV. You can see it through social media. Through social media, through, uh, uh, what is it, YouTube, they advertise into your feed uh, all kinds of meditation stuff and advertise. It's gross, actually. It's just one more lie from the devil. And the devil's that's it. It's the war for your heart. The long war, the one war is the devil hates God and the devil hates us because we are God's children. And so he can't fight God, so he takes the fight to us and he tries to kill us any means he can, whether it's spiritual death or physical death and ruining our physical health and ruining our finances and ruining our families or literal physical, like physical death or then spiritual, so long as they don't trust in Jesus alone as the only way, the only truth, the only life. Right, so every other lie in the planet is against that thing. So this is the thing to be praying for, for this nation, that we see real change because people understand who Jesus Christ is. So, so be praying that. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.